Good evening, my dear friends and curious souls. Welcome to Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast. My name, you may wonder. Just think of me as your old grandpa, spinning tales from a time long gone, and some from not-so-distant past. In my younger days, my grandkids would crowd around me, their eyes wide in anticipation or fear, eager for the evening's gruesome tales. Now I extend this tradition, this gift, to you. So pull up a chair, stoke that fireside, and let the shadows dance on every corner of the room. Let's journey together into the heart of darkness, where we unmask the unseen, discover forbidden secrets, and unburden the forgotten tales of the past. So dim the lights, my friends, and let's delve into the mysteries that emerge only after dark on our wonderful, unnerving journey. Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, I have a compelling tale to share that might just send a chill down your listener's spine. It revolves around a friend of mine who holds a unique ability to see the spirits of deceased pets. Her brother possesses a similar ability, with a slight difference. His spectral experiences are not limited to pets, but extend to all kinds of animals. Let's take a step back in time, when her brother was merely two or three years old. The family found themselves at a secluded cabin, a place that held the remnants of a tragic tale. A man had recently ended his life there, leaving behind a swing set in the yard. As her brother, barely old enough to form coherent sentences, had been swinging on it under their mother's watchful eyes, he had suddenly uttered a chilling declaration, Mommy, there's a man. There's a man and he shot himself. Fast forward to a different occasion with my friend at the center. As she was reclining on the couch, a spectral dog bolted down the hall. It was an ethereal protector, its presence comforting her. But as it departed, so did the protective aura. Later, her mom revealed the dog's name, an uncanny revelation, because this was not a random spirit dog. It was one of the dogs her mother had once owned. There were more instances like this, where she would describe the spectral pets she saw, and her mother would recognize and name them. Though her spiritual encounters were mostly with animals, there was one exception. Once, she heard the sound of the cookie jar lid being lifted. Thinking it was her brother sneaking a midnight snack, she decided to investigate. But instead of her brother, she found the spirit of her dearly departed grandfather, a man known for his insatiable love for cookies, standing by the jar. She left a letter for him, which mysteriously vanished later. Now I understand this all sounds incredibly strange and unbelievable. But my friend is a person of integrity, not known for deceit or exaggeration. She insists that these experiences are authentic, and who am I not to believe her? While I lack tangible evidence to validate these encounters, they make for an intriguing tale, one that blurs the line between the physical and spiritual world, one that I think your listeners would find fascinating. As always, we find ourselves in the vast, uncharted territory of the unknown. I hope this enigmatic narrative has intrigued your curiosity and that of your listeners. Thank you for letting me share this extraordinary experience from my friend's life.
Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, In the quiet stillness of an otherwise ordinary night, I found myself entangled in a series of peculiar events. As the moon cast its silvery glow upon my abode, I was engrossed in the seemingly mundane task of closing my front door. A simple push, no more force than what was necessary, resulted in an unexpected loud slam. Intrigued, I repeated the action only to be greeted with another loud slam in response. In a quest for answers, I invited my grandmother to observe the strange phenomenon. Under her watchful gaze, the door behaved as expected, closing softly with the gentle push. It was only when she retreated to the other room, the door resumed its inexplicable behavior, slamming shut with the slightest of pushes. It was as if an unseen entity was playing a game, a mischievous spirit perhaps, who found amusement in my bewilderment. I couldn't shake off the feeling that the playful spirit could be a young child who meant no harm. As the night deepened, I nestled comfortably in my bed, the earlier incident forgotten. Suddenly, an abrupt, loud pop echoed right by my ear. The sound was akin to the crackle of poppers on 4th of July, only amplified. The abrupt noise left me startled, yet again there seemed to be no tangible explanation for this occurrence. The innocence of the sound, however, led me to believe it was the doing of the same playful spirit, a child yearning for companionship. My house stands on what used to be a vast expanse of farmland, a blank canvas of possibilities. My neighbor's house, which predates mine, was once home to a young boy. My intuition suggests that this area, now occupied by my modular house, was once his playground, perhaps even the site of his playhouse. In the silence of the night, as the world sleeps, the echoes of the past come alive. The child, still bound by the invisible threads of his former life, seeks company creating a world where the past and present coexist. While these nightly occurrences may seem disconcerting, they serve as a reminder that our lives are intertwined with the history of the land we inhabit. We share our spaces not just with the living, but also with the spirits of the past in an intricate dance of existence. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, let me take you back to 1988. The love of my life, my second wife and I moved into a house with a morbid past. It was a house that I'd bought from my brother and his wife, a house stained by tragedy. The previous owner, my sister-in-law's first husband, had shot himself in the master bedroom. Stricken by grief and fear, she had abandoned the house and they began renting it out. When they decided to move out of state, I bought the property from them. For a time, everything was good, peaceful even. But then the unnerving disturbances began. Our first encounter with the house's spectral occupant came in the form of a full-bodied apparition. My wife would catch glimpses of a man's figure lingering in our bedroom during the depths of the night. What seemed to be a harmless, if chilling, presence soon turned into a more tangible disturbance. Everyday objects would mysteriously relocate without provocation or logic. We'd leave a room for merely a moment, and upon return, find items moved, tossed on the floor, or transferred to different tables. 
The paranormal activity escalated one evening as we sat in our living room engrossed in a television program. Suddenly, the TV in our basement roared to life at max volume. I rushed downstairs, heart pounding, fully expecting to confront an intruder. But when I checked the basement, I found it empty. More mysterious still, the basement TV continued to turn on even after it was unplugged and relocated. Fear gnawed at my wife. She was convinced the ghostly presence sought to harm us and wanted to sell the house. I decided to invite my parents, who are religious ministers, to perform an exorcism in hopes of purging the unwanted spirit. Room by room they prayed and blessed the house with holy water. This ritual evoked peace, and for the next six years the ghostly disturbances ceased. But the respite was short-lived. My wife began seeing dark apparitions, a host of demonic entities tormenting her and beckoning her towards darkness. She spiraled into depression, and I found myself admitting her to a hospital under suicide watch. The doctors diagnosed her as a paranoid, manic, depressive suffering from delusions. They medicated her and for a while she seemed to improve. However, against all advice, she abruptly stopped taking her medication. This decision unleashed a flurry of violent episodes. She would lose her temper over trivial matters, hurling objects at me. Dishes, mugs, even a cast-iron skillet became projectiles. The violence culminated in a terrifying incident where she violently kicked me down the stairs. That was my breaking point. I decided to move out until she resumed her medication, a decision that was met with a chilling response. My wife, the woman I loved, yelled at me in a voice that wasn't hers, a man's voice. I was struck with the horrifying realization that she was possessed by the spirit we thought we'd banished. Despite her descent into madness, she rejected any attempts at another exorcism. Our relationship unraveled, and we ended up divorced. The last I heard, she attempted to murder her new boyfriend, pushing him out of a moving car. She lives alone now, refusing any form of help. She still resides in the haunted house and I can't shake the feeling that the malevolent spirit continues to dwell there, or worse, within her. Her refusal to speak to me leaves me with more questions than answers. All I have are my assumptions and the haunting memories of our life in that house. Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, In the year 2005, whispers of a chilling incident still echo in my mind. Back then, I was sharing a quaint two-story home with my significant other, nestled in the heart of our peaceful town. Although I can't say I was overly fond of the house, it had an eerie aura that sent shivers down my spine. It was a typical night with my boyfriend deciding to relax with a soothing bath upstairs while I lounged downstairs, engrossed in an intriguing movie. As time wore on, I heard his voice echoing down the staircase, requesting a towel. With a sigh, I paused my movie and went to fetch one for him. The steps creaked under my weight as I ascended the staircase, a towel in hand. Upon reaching the top, I was greeted by two doors, one to the left and one to the right. As I made my way towards the bathroom, a flicker of movement from the right-side bedroom caught my eye. 
However, I shrugged it off, attributing it to my overactive imagination. In trying to hand the towel to my boyfriend, I found the bathroom door locked. I called out to him to unlock it as I leaned against the wall, my gaze unconsciously drifting back to the right side bedroom. That's when I saw it. There, sitting on the bed, was what appeared to be a shadowy figure of a little boy. His form was a mere silhouette, as black as obsidian, and only its shape was discernible. However, his eyes were clearly visible, piercingly bright, staring directly at me. The sight sent a surge of dread coursing through my veins, the likes of which I had never experienced before. I started screaming frantically, pounding on the bathroom door, pleading for my boyfriend to let me in. When he finally let me in, I refused to leave the safety of the bathroom without him by my side. The shadowy figure had disappeared by then, but the terrifying memory of its gaze lingered. A mere two weeks later, we packed our belongings and left that house for good. I refused to venture upstairs again before we moved. Even to this day, despite living in the same town, I avoid that particular street, my heart pounding with residual fear at the thought of encountering that house and that room again. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, my name is Rhea, and I am here to share an eerie encounter that still haunts me to this day. Just two years ago, when I was barely ten, I found myself alone in a vast and peculiar house in New Jersey, my aunt's. She had always regaled me with tales of her home being haunted, which used to fill my childhood nights with dread. I never truly believed her until I came face to face with the haunt myself. The moment I first stepped into the house, an uncanny sensation overcame me. I felt unseen eyes studying me from the windows of the guest room, a chilling presence that made my skin break into goosebumps. I would hesitantly creep towards the window, only to catch a glimpse of a blonde girl scampering in the yard below. This unsettling routine continued until I finally decided to confide in my aunt. She then revealed a startling history. Fourteen years earlier, the house had been home to a young couple and their little blonde-haired girl. She led me to an attic closet where she pulled out an old photograph of the family. My heart pounded as I recognized the girl from the photo. It was the same one I had seen from the window. One chilling night, my experience took a terrifying turn. I found the window of my room ajar and saw the blonde girl standing there staring at me. Her eyes were completely black devoid of the whites that should be there. Shocked and scared, I watched her advance towards me. I yelled for my aunt, my eyes darting towards the door. When I turned back, I found myself just inches away from the girl's face. Terrified, I backed away and sprinted to my aunt's room. The horror escalated when I found the girl lifeless next to my slumbering aunt. My hysterical cries woke my aunt, who was stunned to see the girl's body. It was just around dawn, and then things got even stranger. The girl arose and uttered the chilling words, You're dead, to me. With those words, she disappeared, never to be seen again. Now at twelve, I am a firm believer in the existence of ghosts, spirits, demons, and the like. 
However, the girl's words still puzzle me. What could she have possibly meant when she told me I was dead? This mystery still haunts me to this day. To our dear listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts on this haunting experience. What do you think the girl meant by her words? I eagerly await your insights as this mystery continues to perplex me. Regards, Rhea. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Kat, and I am 16 years old. For the past six years, I have been living in a house that has gradually turned into a theater of inexplicable occurrences. Initially, everything was normal, until we began to notice that our porch lights had an unusually short lifespan, and the indoor lights were not far behind. As if that wasn't strange enough, I started witnessing eerie dark shadows and hearing untraceable footsteps echoing down the hall, leading to my room. Despite these strange happenings, my cries fell on deaf ears. Nobody seemed to believe me. As time progressed, the events took a more unsettling turn. It was during a mundane afternoon when my sister Kara was tidying our back porch. With our parents absent, she had locked the screen doors, which were covered with plastic to fend off the cold winds. Suddenly, Kara saw a shadow looming over her followed by an inexplicable shaking of the door. Startled, she sprang up, only to see another shadow dart past the opposite door. In haste, she unlocked the door, flinging it open. But what she witnessed was perplexing. The figure had vanished into thin air, as if it had never existed. Reminiscent of my own experiences, I was certain it was the ghost that I had been warning her about. Yet Kara remained skeptical. From that day onwards, Kara was haunted by a seemingly paranormal phenomenon. Her bedroom door would mysteriously swing open every night, regardless of the fact that she had locked it. This occurrence drove her to the brink of hysteria. Eventually, we decided to swap rooms when she turned 16, but the door's nightly antics persisted. One summer, I had a friend over. As we lay on my bed with me reading a book aloud, the door abruptly swung open. Paralyzed with fear, my friend clung onto me, finally believing in the ghost story I told her about. Fast forward six months, and we found ourselves in my room again, this time with Kara and my friend's sister. A video call was taking place with Kara's friend, Paul, when he abruptly asked about an unidentified person behind them. A quick check revealed no one, but a glance at the webcam revealed a chilling sight. A shadowy figure manifested on the screen. Before they could react, the computer abruptly shut down. Not long after this unsettling incident, Kara and I had a bitter disagreement, leading us to stop communicating. One day, while I was on my way to my boyfriend's house, Kara called me, frantic. Alone at home, she claimed the ghost was repeatedly calling my name, and the phone kept turning off speaker mode. Fed up with the inexplicable occurrences, my mom decided to dig deeper. The neighbors revealed that they too were victims of similar occurrences. As it turned out, all our houses were built on what used to be a sawmill about a century ago, where an unfortunate worker had met a fateful end. But the mystery deepened when I discovered money hidden in my bed. 
reminding me of my grandfather's habit of squirreling away money. Fast forward a week, and we stumbled upon two torn dollar bills while sorting papers. So is it my grandpa trying to communicate his love? Or is it the restless spirit of the deceased worker? Or is it a combination of both? I really can't say. All I know is, she didn't believe me, until the chilling mysteries of our house unfolded. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, Today, I bring an uncanny tale for your listeners, a bizarre incident that unfolded during my trip to California from my home in Florida. This incident occurred right after a haunting brush with malevolent spirits in my former home. My reason for the journey was to visit my soon-to-be 25-year-old brother Blake, who lived and worked at the historic Pontiac Hotel. After two long plane rides, I landed in California, promptly hailed a cab and soon found myself nestled in the comforting confines of room 221 at Blake's place of work. After enjoying a week of leisure, I decided to enroll myself in a summer school that would take place every alternate day. I still recall that fateful, moderately warm day when I dozed off in the middle of a lecture. Just as I was drifting off, I felt a tap on my shoulder. In my drowsy state, I brushed it off, but then it happened again. Miss said a voice unfamiliar to my ears. Lifting my head, I was met with a sight that sent chills down my spine. Instead of my classmate, Raven, standing before me was an apparition of a woman dressed as a schoolteacher from the 1900s. In a state of sheer terror, I stumbled backwards, crashing into my chair. The spectral woman helped me up, and as I scanned the room, I found myself surrounded by children, all dressed in antiquated clothing reminiscent of the golden days. Panicked, I dashed towards the door, heart pounding in my chest. After throwing the door shut behind me, I remembered my teacher's words about ancient schoolrooms, typically having just one room. Bewildered and terrified, I scribbled on the chalkboard, where am I? And to my horror, a chilling reply appeared next to my frantic question, in my world, I want to play with you. With adrenaline surging through my veins, I threw open the window considering a desperate leap. Perhaps the shock would snap me out of this nightmare. Without a second thought, I jumped, hoping to restore reality. When consciousness returned, I found myself back in my class, scraped and bruised from a fall. A fall that I didn't recall. The baffling ordeal left me questioning if it was all a dream or a frightening reality. I stopped attending summer school, haunted by the chilling experience. From then on, I never dozed off during class again and maintained good grades out of fear of attending summer school. Dear listeners, I share this story not just as a chilling tale, but also as a plea for answers. If anyone has any insight or advice into what I experienced, I would be grateful for your wisdom. I look forward to your thoughts on this uncanny incident. Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, I'd like to recount a collection of oddities that have woven an intricate web of mystery around my life. 
Although these incidents might not be individually compelling, the sum of their parts creates a chilling narrative that's sure to intrigue your listeners. My earliest connection to the supernatural was with my great-grandma Christine, an enigmatic character with gypsy roots who passed away when I was just two years old. I have blurred memories of her fondness for sitting on the floor. What's eerie is that post her death, I developed an unusual attachment to a piece of string, calling it Christine and conversing with it. Even my toddler self had a peculiar affinity to sitting on the floor, just like Christine. It makes me wonder if her spirit had a role to play in my peculiar behaviors. On one quiet afternoon when I was four, I remember hearing my name being whispered by a soft feminine voice, distinct from my mother's. I brushed it off and continued playing, but the mystery of it lingered. At six, while at my Nana's house, I glimpsed a fleeting black shadow darting past me, disappearing behind the fridge. Despite my fervent pleas, my Nana found nothing after moving the fridge, making me contemplate the presence of a shadow ghost. The scratching noises in the night at my Nana's house were another cause of terror for me. Even though it could have been mice, the consistent and scary nature of the sound left me unconvinced. One evening, while watching a movie with my Nana's dog, Tuppy, the television began to switch channels on its own, with the remote untouched. Tuppy seemed to sense something amiss too, barking at the television. Once the TV returned to normal, Tuppy scurried out of the room and I followed. Was this an eerie prank by a playful ghost? An inexplicable incident occurred at my Nana's place when a large pot plant abruptly fell over and hit my cousin. She hadn't touched the stand it was on, leaving us perplexed and slightly unnerved. After the incident, the spot remained vacant, a silent testament to the strange event that transpired. At my mum's house, we often experienced unexplained phenomena too. On one occasion, I felt a chilling breath on my neck, despite being alone in the house. Other times, the wooden floors echoed with phantom footsteps when no one else was around. The attic, my room, seemed to be a favorite spot for our resident ghost, who once disconnected the loud doorbell box that used to disturb my sleep. We never found the missing box, and no one in the house claimed responsibility for it. Interestingly, our spectral visitor wasn't just about frights and scares. On multiple occasions, we'd find missing items in the most obvious of places, moments after conducting extensive searches. We started thanking our unseen helper aloud, and gradually, these instances became an amusing part of our days. Our kitchen seemed to be another favorite spot for our ghost, with sounds of dishwashing and cooking often emanating from within. But upon investigation, I'd find the kitchen empty, adding to the enigma. The most unforgettable episode was the mystery of a tennis ball that randomly appeared in our garden. Despite repeated attempts to discard it, the ball would always find its way back to the same spot. After days of this eerie tennis match with the unseen, the ball disappeared one day, much to the relief of my spooked-out mum. These strange occurrences, coupled with an array of peculiar dreams, have left me wondering about the world beyond what we perceive. Is there a connection between dreams and ghosts, I wonder? My life's unusual narrative feels incomplete without this piece of the puzzle. Thank you for lending an ear to my eerie tale. Best regards, Neely.
Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, Our tale begins with a simple familial ritual, the blessing of my sister's room by our grandmother, in anticipation of a new baby's arrival. She entered the room, murmured her prayers, and exited. Little did we know, this ritual would transform into a series of inexplicable events that would forever haunt our lives. Weeks following the blessing, my sister returned late from a prayer meeting. Tired yet enthusiastic, she reviewed her prayers for the next gathering. Ritualistically, she settled into her bed and began reciting. Midway through one prayer, a chilling event occurred. The bed, as if possessed by some unseen force, began to convulse. Panic struck, she attempted to escape the room, only to find the door stubbornly refusing to open and the window, mysteriously, locked tight. Unnerving, considering none of our windows had locks. Her terrified screams echoed throughout the hallways. It felt like an eternity before we could reach her. Finally, she managed to burst out of the room, her face a mask of pure horror. In the light of the following day, we summoned our grandmother, hoping she could unravel the mystery. She entered the room, spent a few silent moments, and emerged with a calm smile. No esta aquí, she declared. It's not here. What she did remains unknown, as does the prayer my sister recited that provoked such terror. My sister refuses to utter it, perhaps fearing a repeat of that night. Though my grandmother assured us the room was clear, an unnerving aura still lingers. Sometimes I feel an unsettling presence, a sense of being watched, a chill that isn't quite natural. The room remains the coldest, the air heavy with the remnants of that fateful night. Listeners, if you're intrigued by this chilling tale and wish to venture deeper into the eerie events of my house or that particular room, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be more than willing to share more. Thank you for your time, and remember, not all mysteries are meant to be solved. Sometimes they're simply meant to be lived. Well, my dear friends, we've reached the end of yet another winding path. As the evening knits the night, drawing its comforting darkness around us, we must part ways, for now. You've traveled with me through unsettling alleyways of thought, and I hope our journey together has both enthralled and enchanted you. Like a spider's web capturing the moonlight in its delicate dew-drenched threads, until we meet again beneath the gossamer glow of the next moon, I urge you to keep your hearts open, your minds sharp, and your spirits daring. Remember, no star is ever out of reach, and no mystery is ever too daunting to seek. This is your humble grandpa, turning the last page of our ebon-bound book for now. May your dreams be wistful, my friends. Farewell from Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast, and tread softly into the night. <laughs>